2020, I started off the year, like a lot of us do, with uh, some goals. And one of the goals I had was, I want to learn Korean this year. I'm married to a Korean-American woman, and all these years I've just held off, right? But I just decided, this is it. I'm going to learn Korean. And I have been seriously going after it. Like, I didn't just say I wanted to do it and then forget it. I have been going after it. I have been working on this thing. So I'll just share with you, right? Okay, so. 지금 나는 배고파다. 배고파. 지금 나는 타코를 먹고 싶어. 타코를... You're like, I don't know whether to think that was good or not. <laughs> and some of you are just wondering, what did I just say? Well, what I just said was, I'm hungry. I want tacos. Bring me tacos. <laughs> it's called survival Korean. <laughs> I'm ready for Taco Tuesday in Korea. <laughs> Oh, you know, the truth is, I know that if you, if you speak Korean, you know, I sound like a three-year-old, right? And that's okay. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> that's way better than sounding like a zero-year-old. So, but but I, I do earnestly feel like I have been prosperous in my efforts at learning Korean. I, I have learned the Korean alphabet. I, it's no longer unintelligible to me. I can sound out the words. I'm feeling a little bit of like this right now. Like I, I learned that. And, and what I want to share with you today, just briefly, is how I got there. And then we're going to go into the scriptures. But this is what I, what I did. I, I put a process in place. And it was a prosperous process. And it's four words that kind of encapsulate it. Remove, seek, build, protect. Remove, seek, Build, protect. And I put that process in place, and it helped me to level up in learning Korean. So first of all, I had to remove some things. I had to remove the tendency I have to just spend hours rehashing political news on, on these different websites. I, I had to remove the tendency I have to just waste my time playing some dumb video game on my phone. I had to remove my tendency to want to just binge watch episodes of meaninglessness, right? I had to remove some things because if I didn't, I would be so distracted that I would never have gotten after what I needed to get after. Okay, the second thing I needed to do is I needed to seek some things, and I did. I had to seek the resources that would help me to actually do the learning of Korean. So I was seeking resources, and I found, you know, four or five YouTube channels. I found a few different podcasts that I'm downloading. I found, as I was seeking, I found uh, some apps, two or three of them that I've been working on. And as I was seeking the resources, I knew I would, I would have what I would need, but then it wouldn't come by autopilot. I needed to build. And that's what came next. I began to build. I began to build recognition of the Korean alphabet one stroke at a time. I mean, hours, hours of time. I'm, I'm building on that. And it took time. It took energy. It took effort. I'm listening to the per Korean podcasts and YouTube channels. And man, we're, we're doing this family road trip to Utah. And my whole family was so annoyed with me because all seven hours, I made everybody listen to Korean language learning podcasts. <laughs> they, they all learned some Korean. Anyway, we, I, I had to build. And then I got to protect. If, if I've built something up, it's worth protecting. And I need to protect what I've learned thus far in terms of learning this other language. Otherwise, if I just walk away from here and figure it'll be there, it won't. It'll get, 
it'll get lost in the shuffle, and I won't have that skill anymore to talk about how I want some tacos in Korea, which makes no sense. <laughs> but this process, remove, seek, build, protect, it's a prosperous process. And I want you to think about ways in which you are hoping to level up in your life. And, and maybe it's pertaining to a business you're hoping to start or, a, or, or something that you're trying to accomplish with your job. Or it could be in your education and what you're trying to achieve there. Or maybe it is just about your relationship and, and the, the healing or the growth that needs to take place. Think about it for a moment and understand that to some degree, it's likely that God's stirring up the noble desires in you that you're wanting to go after, to level up in. And recognize that you're not going to get there without engaging in the process. And the process I just shared with you is actually not something that I'm making up. It's something I've found in the scriptures. And so I want us to take some time today to go into the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. And so I want you to open up a Bible right now to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And if you have a Bible, open it up or at least open up your your phone and get a Bible app open and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And, and while you're turning there to 2 Chronicles 14, here's the kind of the backstory if you haven't been reading 2 Chronicles recently. This is the time period in the Jewish people's history when uh, the Jewish community was divided. So you had the community of God's people in the north being called Israel and the community of the Jewish people in the south being called Judah and they were kind of at odds with each other almost like a civil war kind of like it was in this country back in the 1860s it was that type of situation and the people in the north even though they were the Jewish people the chosen people they were wandering far away from God they were not walking in that covenant close relationship that they were made for they were forgetting about God altogether the people in the south also weren't doing that good in their walk with God. They were just kind of walking away. But the ones in the south, if they had a good king that would call them back to following the Lord, they, they would come back. That's kind of the dynamic of what's happening. And in 2 Chronicles 14, what you've got, this little part of the Bible, you've got two kings in particular. One is King Abijah, and the other is his son, King Asa. And these are two really good kings. King Abijah he was really good because he called the Israelite people, the Jewish people, into an acknowledgement that God would be the one to give them success and God would be the one to give them protection. And so at least in terms of like military stuff, most of the people of God were coming into a, a trust in God. But there was still a lot, of, a lot of ways in which they needed to grow. And that's where King Asa comes in. That's Abijah's son. And all of that is the backdrop, but now let's just kind of jump into the scriptures together in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. So this is what it says. It says, Abijah rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king. And in his days, the country was at peace for 10 years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places and smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. 
he removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah. And the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. I want you to just say that phrase, they built and prospered. Say it one more time. They built and prospered. prospered. Wouldn't you want it to be said about you someday when somebody takes a look at what you did with your life? Wouldn't you want it to be said about you, she built and prospered? Wouldn't you want it to be said about you? Yeah, as a family, they built and prospered. I would hope we would want that. You know why? Because you and me are created in the image of God. We are image bearers. We are created in the image of God. God who created the heavens and the earth and made something happen called the universe. You're made in his image. And there should be something inside of you that is not content to just kick back and be passive and watch everything go by. Because the image of God that is within you should birth inside of you something that says, I'm made to build. I'm made to make something happen. I'm made to go after it. And I'm going to. And this is what I hope we'll do. That we will want it But we won't want to get that product of having it be said about us that we built and prospered without engaging fully in the process that gets us there. It's a prosperous process. We just read it. And maybe you began to highlight a few words as I was reading the scriptures. And and here's the thing. When, When you read the Bible, on one hand, you need to accept that at face value, it's giving you insight into the Jewish community in roughly the year 900 BC. And it's interesting. I mean, just at face value, it's interesting. But that's not all that the scripture is ever meant to be. It is not just meant to be this ancient history lesson. This is the word of God. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide soul and spirit. And that includes 2 Chronicles chapter 14. I mean, we just read it quick. But man, it's, it's revelation for us. It's revelation for us about how the Jewish people under Asa's leadership leveled up. But it's also revelation and insight for any of us who are hoping to kind of level up in our own lives. And I want us to see it that way today. And I want you to jump back into verse 2, and, and let's just understand what the scripture is really showing us together. So in verse 2, it said, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And I have to pause right there. And I got to just tell you, if, if you are hoping to level up in your life, This is where it all begins. It's choosing to be the kind of person that that respects who God is enough to determine to make choices as much as you can that are pleasing to him. If you have a desire to level up, it, it is at the very core about choosing to live as a person who has enough affection for God that you would say, I'm going to choose different things. I'm going to choose that which is pleasing to God because I love him, because I I enjoy his love for me. And it's as you do that. It's as you do that, as you choose to do what is pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, that the leveling up even begins. 
But then, okay, so what we just read, it said Asa did what was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. But then the next verse, it shows us exactly and specifically some of the things he did that were pleasing to God. And, and so just read it. It says this is what he did. He, I want you to read it out loud with me. Ready? Say it. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. Yeah, we, we already know the end result. They built and prospered, but don't miss this. A lot of times, leveling up begins with taking down things that need to be taken down. And, and if you're going to engage in this prosperous process, you need to remove what needs to be removed. That's where it all begins, to recognize there are probably some things in my life that are in the way of me actually advancing to where I could go in God. To, to recognize there are probably some ways in which I've allowed something to get set up in front of me and in my own heart that doesn't belong if I'm actually going to be a person who's doing what's pleasing to the Lord my God. And you know what? Someone might have just read that and said, oh, Asherah poles? Well, shoot, I don't have any Asherah poles set up in my backyard, so I'm good. Yeah, well, let's see, let's see. You know, when it says that Asa removed the foreign idols, what he's, what he's really doing is he's really calling the Israelite people into, into account, in a sense to say, do you know who you are? You're the chosen people of God. You are the ones who have this special relationship with God, and you're forgetting about it. And you're wandering over here and trusting in a little of that and trusting in a little of this. And you're letting something else become your source rather than the Lord your God. The, the foreign idols, the high places, they speak of the human tendency to drift away from our loving, awesome God and to put our trust in something else. And, and I think it's probably true that maybe for some of us, there's some, there's some foreign idols we need to get rid of, some things that we've been trusting in for strength instead of the Lord our God. And then it talks about that he smashed the sacred stones. Does anybody else have an active imagination? I do. I read that and I picture King Asa and I don't, he's like sledgehammering, like <laughs> banging away at these stones and I feel riled up and excited when I imagine it that way, right? But, but you, gotta, you gotta ask the question, well, what is it about though? What is, what is the sacred stone? And, and it's, it sounds like it could be something okay, but it's nothing good at all. The scriptures don't specify. The scripture, the Bible itself doesn't say exactly what the sacred stones were used for, but from most of the scholarly input, it's basically something like a good luck charm, kind of like we might view if you do like a magic eight ball or, or something like that. And it's used for fortune telling. It's used for divination. And it was like as though Asa is saying, you are not made for that counterfeit spirituality. You're the people of God. You can get the brightest revelation from the living God. You don't need to go to this counterfeit fortune teller stuff. And for some of us, I mean, I don't know, but maybe there's a a number of us that we, we come to church and we're glad to do that, but we also love to go on this one Snapchat feed where we get the horoscope and we go on this other Instagram where we get this person doing readings and we don't think it's any kind of a big deal, but it's a sacred stone and it needs to be smashed because it finds its origin not in the love of your heavenly father, but ultimately in a false 
and devious revelation that comes from the evil one. And it, it, it's got to be smashed. If you want to level up, there are some things that need to be removed. And then there's that Asherah pole. Asherah pole. You know what? The Asherah pole was this, this phallic symbol that was established and set up all over uh, in honor of the fertility goddess, Asherah. And the, the Asherah pole was usually carved with sexually explicit images uh, because it was about fertility, but something tells me it wasn't just about fertility. And it was basically like public pornography set up in all these different places. And we might let ourselves off the hook and say, well, shoot, I don't have an Asherah pole. I'm good. Yeah, we don't need to have an Asherah pole in, in, in the yard because we carry it around in our pocket. Right? And, and, and it's got to be removed being in bondage to a kind, of a, a kind of a spirit of sexual slavery, which was what that was all about with the Asherah pole, it'll never lead you to freedom. And so there was this way in which Asa is saying, come on, I want us to thrive, but we got the stuff that's got to go if we're really going to get there. So let's remove what needs to be removed. And as I'm reading this scripture, I, I find that it, it's, it's one thing to read about it, it's another thing to do it. I was in Thailand a few months ago, and over in Thailand, I was uh, traveling through the countryside, and one of the things that kept catching my eye is that wherever there were these little houses in the countryside on that property, without fail, in the corner of the property, there would be this little thing or something looking like this one. And on every property, like everywhere I was going, I was like, wow, what is that? I never saw something like that before. And as I was asking, you know, a local guy what it was, he said, oh, yeah, those are called spirit houses or family idols, you know, different names, but uh, it, it's a thing. And sometimes you'd see, you know, fruits on it or a little money on it, things like that. And it was uh, this idol set up, you know, in every single person's house. And what this guy told me, he said, this is actually one of the difficult things for uh, those of us in Thailand who become Christians. You know, we, when someone in Thailand becomes a Christian, this thing uh, it becomes an issue because there's all of a sudden the tension with, hey, but this is like familiar to our family and this is something that we're used to and, and, and it becomes a difficult thing to figure out how to get rid of it, how to remove what needs removing. It's one thing on a Sunday morning to talk about we got to remove what needs removing. It's another thing to engage in the work that it takes to remove it. I'll tell you what. I'm so proud of, like, for example, the, the men in our church, a whole bunch of whom are, you know, gathering in the seven pillars men's group to finally kick the whole sexual addiction thing in the gut and get rid of it. I'm so proud of those in our church that would say, I'm going to come on a Friday night to celebrate recovery because I'm not giving myself over to the idol of this addiction and, and this sacred stone anymore. I'm so grateful that this is the kind of church where we can do what we need to do do and not feel ashamed about it and get rid of what needs to be gotten rid of. Remove it. Somebody say remove it. You got to remove it. That's just what Asa did. He removed those things that needed to be removed. Verse 4, it says, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. Why don't you read that out loud with me? Ready? Say it. Go. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors and to obey his laws and commands. You know what's interesting to me is that I'm thinking, these are the Jewish people. Of course they've got it all going on. 
in their relationship with God. That's not the case. The king literally has to command them to seek the Lord. You know what that shows me? It shows me that they weren't. You see it? And again, this is one of those things where I could, I could point to these people almost 3,000 years ago and say, wow, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was rough that they, had, that they had that problem of drifting away from God. But hold on a second. I think that that problem is every bit as persistent. Even to this very day, there's something in the human heart that knows and enjoys the blessing and goodness of God, but easily forgets about it and just drifts away to whatever we want to do. Yeah. What, what is it about? What, what, what causes it? You know, this past week I was driving around and I, I caught myself singing an old, an old hymn. And for some reason, I just kept singing this one part again and again. It's this song that goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. But that, you know, that part, prone to wander, Lord, I feel feel it. I just, I just kind of kept singing it, I'm just kind of recognizing that's in me, prone to wander. And, and what is it about? What causes that drifting away, that distancing from God, that, that wandering? Sometimes the wandering happens because things start going so well that we got so much going on, so much good stuff, so much money, so much opportunity. It's like, ah, yeah. Don't really have time for all that God stuff anymore. That can happen. And the wandering and the drifting sets in. Sometimes it happens because, because of the challenges that we're facing. And we thought to ourselves, God should have done something about this for me. And then we just, because we can't figure it out, we drift, drift away, we distance ourselves. And sometimes it's because of the, the physical stuff in our bodies, and we don't understand God's part in, in our pain. And so it begins to cause us to drift and wander. And sometimes we need to, like the people of, of Judah needed to, hear it almost like a command, seek the Lord. Like Asa wasn't content to just let them keep on wandering away from God because it never turns out well. And so Asa got in their face and said, come on, wake up, seek the Lord. And I feel like I need to say that to somebody here today. Come on, wake up, seek the Lord. You have given enough of your heart to this and enough of your time to that and enough of your affection over here. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord because it's in him you will find strength. Seek the Lord because it's in his presence that you're going to find joy. Seek the Lord because it's in him that you're going to feel hope rising up. Seek the Lord because it's in him that you're going to receive insight from heaven about what you're going through and what to do about it. Come on and somebody shout, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And sometimes I need to kind of slap myself upside the face and say, come on, John, seek the Lord. Don't think just because I stand up here and preach, it doesn't mean I don't also struggle with the same exact tendency. And I need to sometimes tell myself, seek the Lord. Right now, seek the Lord. And when we do, his strength flows, his grace flows, his Pleasure flows, his hope rises, his goodness comes rushing in. This is what we're made for. It's the second part of that prosperous 
process. Seek. Seek the Lord who will strengthen you. And, and then in verse uh, 6, it says this. It says about Asa, so he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. And no one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. He built up those fortified cities. He built it up. The good things that we desire don't usually come by autopilot or by a passive snap of the fingers. They come by being the kind of people like Asa was that knew, okay, part of the deal is I'm going to remove what needs to be removed from out of my life because it wasn't doing me any good. And I'm seeking my God, and I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to get some hope from him, and I'm going to feel his love, but I'm not done yet. To be the kind of people like Asa to say, all right, and now what do I got? How am I going to build this thing? And to put the energy and the time and the effort into it that it will require of you. This past week, my, one of my sons said, oh, Dad, can you fix our bathroom door? And, you know, every time I hear that, I'm like, ah, you know, because there's just, there's always something breaking. Come on, can anybody else give me an amen? Like, how, yeah, right, it's always something breaking. Anyway, so I go up there and I look and it, the door is off the hinges. The hinges have been ripped out of the door jam. How does that even happen? And, of course, I asked, how did that happen? We di- I don't know. We didn't do anything. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so nobody was swinging on the door frame. <laughs> okay, those just screws just popped out all by themselves. <laughs> well, anyway, I had to build that thing back up. And in order to do that, I had to go get some particularly long, fat screws that would make up for the augered out holes in the door jam. I had to have the right drill. I had to have the, the right screwdriver. I had to have the right tools. And I had to take myself out of my passivity and put my energy and effort into it. I, I had to take the time and say, this matters. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to back down until it's done. Building up takes that. It takes a determination to exert yourself in the ways that are effective and that will bring the result you need. This is part of the prosperous process. Anybody who's done anything worth remarking about, they built and prospered in whatever way, I guarantee you they have exerted their effort and energy in a deliberate way. And I'm asking you right now to consider what is it in the next 10 years that you are meant to build up in some way? And how can you make choices about how you'll spend your time and what you will do with your effort and your energy so that you don't waste it, but instead that you go after it so that it may be said of you one day, he built and prospered. You're not done yet. Maybe you finished something 10 years ago and you've been coasting. It said that he had peace for 10 years. But the peace that he had for 10 years gave him the opportunity to put his heart into what was next, which was building it up. And the next part of the prosperous process is to protect what had been built up. This is what it says in verse 7. It said, Asa was talking, let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we've sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. 
Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah equipped with large shields and spears and 280,000 men from Benjamin armed with small shields and with bows. And all these were brave fighting men. What I realized about Asa is he realized that God gave him the ability to build up the towns of Judah, but that it came with a responsibility to be ready then to protect it. And if God gives you the grace to build something up, I believe that it needs to be followed up with a willingness to protect it. And so he raised up these, well, you know, something like 600,000 soldiers trained, ready to do the fighting and the protecting that would need to be done. And, and in particular, look what it said. It said in verse 7, let us build up these towns and put walls around them with towers and gates and bars, and the protection was serious. And think about it for a minute. First of all, the walls, and it speaks to the kind of protection that needs to be in place in our lives. We need to have walls around what God is giving us to build up, and the wall is the Lord God himself. The scripture says that he is a shield all about you. And if you can understand that you dwell in the protection of the Lord your God, you can begin to understand that the perimeter around your life is secure and that you're safe. But then he talked about towers. The reason towers were needed was so that there could be perspective, perspective beyond what is immediately obvious. The towers gave an opportunity to see into the distance, to take into account the threats that might be on the way, even though I don't see them right now. And so for those of us who are hoping to build something and prosper, the protection matters, and part of it needs to include perspective beyond the right here, right now, into what may be, what could be. And, and then the gates and bars. Gates are important in terms of letting what should come in, come in, and letting movement out happen. But the bars keep a lock from the enemy's attack. And for some of us, that's needed. For some of us, we've let the, the gate just swing wide open. We haven't even paid attention to the fact that there's been opposition we've been letting come right into our lives. And today, we need to bar the gate and see the protection of the hand of God. I want us to take a moment and pray together as we're wrapping up. And let's just ask God to help us to engage in this prosperous process in our lives. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hopefulness of your word. And I pray, Father, for an infusion of your power and grace in our lives to engage in this kind of prosperous process like we saw old brother Asa do. I pray, Father, that you'd stir some of us up with an awareness right now of what needs to be removed. What are those high places, those sacred stones, those foreign idols, those Asherah poles? What are those things that we're relying on and have given our affections to that really are not from you at all? And God, would you show us now how to remove those things? Would you give us strategy from heaven about how to remove those things? While we're praying, you know, for somebody, you know, the, the thing that has become that, that sacred stone, so to speak, it, it's a substance that you've just decided, I'm giving into it. I'm gonna, I'm, that's going to be my thing. And I feel like the Lord is saying, no, smash it. 
And there's some literal smashing that you need to go and do at the end of this service. Be free. For somebody else, yeah, you didn't want anybody to know, but you have been, uh, you've been you know, paying a lot of attention to this sort of counterfeit spirituality over here on the side. It's like God is saying today, that's done. That's not from me, and I'm the real one. So God, I pray that as we remove things, you'd also draw us deeper into a place of seeking you, finding strength and hope and love in your presence to then be able to build up what should be built up in and through our lives. And then, God, I pray for grace for it to be protected. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up together? And as we're getting ready to leave today, uh, I bless you in Jesus' name to embrace this prosperous process. Remove what needs to be removed. Seek the one who can strengthen you. Build up what God's calling you to build up and then protect it in the strength God gives. If you are here today and, and you've, you've said yes to Jesus, I need you to come up to the front so our ministry team can meet with you and give you a Bible. If you need prayer today, come up to the front and let our prayer team pray for you. God bless you. Keep on leveling up in Jesus. Amen.